Welcome to the Black Belter Podcast. You are listening to episode 41. Today's guest is Natasha Baldwin. Natasha is one of the top female fighters in Waco points and light contact right now. She has been a world champion, a European champion, an Irish Open champion and a Waco Pro World Champion. Natasha also owns and runs the very successful Wolfpack Martial Arts Club with her husband Kevin who has been on the podcast before. Today I chat to Natasha about her martial arts journey, balancing being a mum with a fighting career and running a business and more. Thanks to everyone who continues to support the podcast. Make sure to like, share and subscribe on whatever platform you listen on and hope you enjoy. So what's up Natasha, how are you? I'm good, not too bad. Chugging on as I can I guess, what about you? Yeah, all good, all good, as you're saying. Looking forward to getting back training and the likes. So uh, we're, I think God. I think we're on the back end of it really now at this stage, which uh, which is ideal. Hopefully. It sounds like Scotland's like behind everyone else though. Is it? Like, have you started coming out of the, the restrictions and stuff? Yeah, well, we're still technically in phase one and I think we kind of find out on Thursday if we're going to head into phase two or not. Um, but England are definitely ahead of us. They're like, they can do a lot more than what we can do. I think technically at the minute we can take like one PT outside, but we can only use one a day. So we're literally allowed to see one household a day. Whereas I think down south they can have like as many as they want back to back and they can do little mini like classes of six or something outside. Um, but we're not there yet. <laughs> yeah, I think we're classes. I think we could do classes of six outside, but uh, the last couple, like the last week, hasn't been ideal to do anything outside. It's mad as well, though. Like, how do you organize classes of six when you've got a club of like God knows how many as well? It's crazy. Yeah, yeah it's kind of impossible to do. How have you found the online classes? Not bad, to be fair. Like. I'm kind of one of these people who can like train away on their own like I don't really need like obviously for sparring and stuff but like I don't really need any motivation to do anything I've always been very motivated myself sort of thing um I think like people because you've obviously got two types of people right when train like people who will stand in a line and they'll, they'll bang out technique class and you know they'll they'll thrive off it sort of thing and they'll get a buzz and then you get those people who just can't be asked with technique and they just want to spar 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 and I think uh, the people obviously who want to spar all the time have kind of struggled with the the online stuff and then the other people have kind of got on not too bad but Wolfpack of a whole have been really good we've kind of come up with this kind of like league for the kids and stuff as well with the adults if they want to do it so basically we have like a weekly timetable and we have so many like zoom classes we've got like pre-recorded like app workouts and all that sort of stuff and then when they do it if they record it and post it onto like our private group they get a certain amount of points for it um, and then basically at the end of lockdown the um, reward is a Nintendo Switch Lite um, so we've got oh, loads nice. of kiddies and stuff, obviously, wanting their, their Nintendo Switch sort of thing. And it's kind of like kept the kind of morale and it's kind of like a mini comp- competition as well. Obviously, people are struggling without the competition sort of thing. So I think it's been a little sort of light at the end of the tunnel, I guess, which is quite good. So whatever yeah. keeps them motivated, right? Yeah, I suppose that's like that is the hardest thing is trying to keep engagement with members, like especially when you're not seeing them, seeing them every every so often. So, um, so yeah, I suppose that's, that's kind of maybe a cool way actually to keep, to keep them engaged and stuff. Yeah, I think so. And it's kind of a cool little gift as well. Like we kind of kind of when we sat down and kind of figured it out, we like we can't just give away like a T-shirt or a jumper like it actually needs to be something decent, especially when like the kiddies are like, you know, it's up to the parents, isn't it? To try and get the kiddies to keep doing it like it's it's easy enough to kind of jump off the bandwagon when everyone's like out of routine and stuff. So the, the, the prize had to be a decent prize at the end. So we've had a lot of a lot of competitive kids, shall we say, which we know already, but it's nice to kind of know they're still there. <laughs> yeah. 
especially when you're asking them to do it for so long it's like it's it's okay to do something for a week or two and get a t-shirt but if you're asking somebody to do it for this stage could be a couple of months it's like you, you really want yeah. to make sure you have something I'll substantial at the end there. it's fine <laughs> yeah i think we're on like what week 12 week 13 now it's, it's crazy yeah like i remember at the start you kind of felt like that there was a like it was going to be like a snowstorm or something like you're going to be inside for a couple of days and that was it yeah, it is, yeah. Here, here we are still inside pretty much yeah i think especially when they were like you know we'll just you know we'll keep looking at it every three weeks i don't think we actually realized it was going to be four months down the line it's mental but yeah. hey ho i wonder how i found those i was like the the days go on forever the days have been dragging on forever but the weeks have been flying by yeah yeah that's actually a kind of weird way of, of putting it actually it's mental I guess like I think as well like because obviously everyone's out of routine so like you don't really have your like Monday to Fridays and then like a weekend off and I think sometimes for the first few weeks we're kind of not lazy but just like didn't really know what to do and we weren't in routine we didn't like snap into it straight away and it just felt like the whole week was like a mini weekend it was it was mental so it's kind of when we started putting structure in place and then I changed my training program and we were making sure we were still doing things with little effie and stuff and then once we got structure back in it didn't it didn't seem so bad after that but yeah it was definitely the first two three weeks we just didn't know what we were doing like nobody did yeah. it was amazing i think that, that it's clearly going to be the opposite now again though isn't it it's going to like to reverse everything back to nearly to like a different routine again yeah yeah and i think as well like it's not even going to go back to the way it was is it like it's going to have to be different moving forward which is going to be change again so fun times <laughs> but uh so tell me about yourself like how, how did you how did you get into kickboxing and martial arts oh you've frozen on me there oh can you hear me yeah yeah i think so yeah, I'll go. yeah so just uh, how did you how did you get started in kickboxing and uh and martial arts what's your own kind of background um so I started when I was in primary school sort of signed seven or eight years old um and basically I was just playing with my best friend at the time and I was supposed to be going over to her house after school because my mom and dad were working um and she actually did kung fu at the time um so they basically asked like do you mind if she comes along um just for something to do she can watch or she can do it it's completely up to you um so I was like yeah like why not so I followed her along and it was literally like a like a community sports center like had no mats um like completely part-time I think it was like a Thursday night and a Saturday morning or something um and it was like our kung fu um I joined in absolutely loved it um and then yeah I continued on from then so I started with the like kung fu and I think maybe three two or three years later is when I actually started this sort of freestyle kickboxing um she my friend as well she did kickboxing as well so we were just together the whole way through and then I think maybe five years into my training she kind of stopped um kind of when we hit secondary school to be honest um but then I I loved it too much I just kept I continued on my little sister as well she did it she did it at the time so she needs to turn four I think when she turned four or five she started the kung fu as well actually but she didn't really like the kung fu as much she preferred the the kickboxing which I guess as a kid it's a lot easier I think kickbox freestyle kickboxing anyway compared to traditional kung fu um but yeah literally just followed her best friend along and then that was it so kind of lucky actually if you think about it <laughs> yeah that's like what's kung fu like then in terms of like is it very traditional like or would you have kind of sparring and competition and things like that yeah like I think um but the, the sparring and stuff was the the same like we were with we kind of 
the competition circuit that we did at the time WKAs. Um, so we did the exact same competitions as like the kickboxing club were doing sort of thing, but it is a very, very traditional art. Um, so you have your like your walking techniques, your like knife defenses, all your weapons and stuff like that, all your katas. Um, but like I literally put most of my success down to my Kung Fu foundation. I think like some of the best fighters in the world have like a very traditional background. And I think sometimes when you start with purely just your freestyle kickboxing, you kind of lose a little bit. Um, so I definitely put it down for for a, just a really strong, strong, tough, like disciplined foundation as well, for sure. Yeah, so what kind of major did add in kickboxing? Was it just to maybe just add, have another sport, have another activity? Not even that. Like literally there was a kickboxing club. So I trained my Lagar Kung Fu under the late Steve Katanak. So he was my instructor. Um, but he was part of like an umbrella club, which was Temple Martial Arts at the time. Um, and Temple actually taught kickboxing and Kung Fu. Um, so the kickboxing instructor, who was Robert Smith, he used to do it on at the same location, but two different, two different nights. Um, so I was kind of just, I, I wanted more, like one week, one day during the week and the Saturday morning just wasn't enough. So now that I knew my friend, actually the kickboxing as well, I was like, I, I want to do two more nights and literally just ended up crossing over. And because the sparring was the exact same, um, it was quite enjoyable quite quickly because there was just so many new bodies to spar. Um, and I think as well, like having to learn all the traditional katas and all that sort of stuff in Chinese and then going over and learning all the kicks and punches were just complete plain English. It was actually quite nice and a little bit of a fresh air as well. Um, so, yeah, it literally just because I, ne- I needed more and it was the same location, um, it was just perfect timing, really. Yeah. So then did you do any other sports or were you always just martial arts? I did a lot of sports in school, so not so much in primary school. I don't think our primary really had much going on. But when I hit secondary, I was in the athletics team. I was in the badminton team. I did basketball and like loads of cross country stuff just because I I'd, I'd obviously trained so much when I was little in the, the kickboxing. It just made me super fit anyway. Um, and I've always kind of been one of those kids that I doesn't like one of those annoying kids that kind of just pick up everything quite quickly. Um, so, yeah, I enjoyed quite a lot. And there was never really like a night after school where I wasn't doing something or going to a certain club sort of thing. Um, but it kind of meant as well where like the Saturday morning was obviously um, like a Kung Fu class sort of thing and that all the, the the basketball games and all that sort of stuff was on at the weekend. So there was a, a few times where I kind of had to choose, um, which was, I guess, a good thing because I had so many options. But yeah, it was kind of like being pulled in a lot of directions. But I guess as a kid, you love that, right? Like You don't care as long as you're somewhere doing something. And my parents loved it because I was out of trouble the whole time. I was literally, I was doing schoolwork and then sport and then bed, schoolwork, sport and then bed. And it was literally that all the way until Sunday where I completely died <laughs> and then I start again on the Monday. <laughs> yeah, I was trying to say when we were a kid, like all different sports. It was Taekwondo, it was soccer, it was uh, like our the Gaelic games, like GAA here. Like, so it was, oh, yeah, was yeah. pulled all different ways. Like, there was something on every evening. Sometimes you might have to go, well, I've training in this one, but I've a match in this one, so you have to go to the match and like that. But uh, yeah, you, you strike a balance. It was quite good because a lot of the club would like you finish at school and then they'd only be like 45 minute club so then my dad would pick me up from like basketball and take me straight to kickboxing and it was yeah he was definitely a, a well uh, a really good taxi service when I was younger for sure <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you need that though don't you like the, you need the, the support as well definitely even like you see it through obviously like we're, we're teachable for martial arts and just like the kids that have the 100 percent support of the parents like it just makes such a difference like they don't even realize it's mad yeah it's always much 
like that oftentimes the ones who go the furthest like they might not necessarily be the best themselves like in terms of skills but they have a support like they have the support at home they'll drive them to everything like they'll, they're just always involved like so but sometimes oh, you're the was, ones who are the best I, I will be no the, support yeah like i will be the first to tell you i was not talented like i did not have natural talent for sure like I was just consistent. I was hardworking. And like you say, like I was just one of those people who were always there. Like I would just be at every single session. Um, but yeah, it was when I love the quote where it says, um, hustle beats talent when talent doesn't hustle. Like I was not the talent in that quote. I was definitely the hustle. Um, and yeah, a huge part of that was because my parents just took me everywhere. Like literally everywhere I wanted to go. They used to every competition. Like my team, like Temple Martial Arts when I was younger, they didn't really travel very much. Um, there was kind of like a core of maybe like three or four fighters that would kind of just we got permission and the basically head coach said that like I guy I can't commit to the weekends every weekend if you want to go and compete like look after yourselves and sort of thing but you can still represent the club so like my dad would literally get in the car and ferry like three or four of us like up and down the countries left and right like every second weekend um without even like thinking about it and it literally be like oh dad you know like what's the next competition and he'd literally get online speak to the instructor <laughs> and be like right guys you want to go yeah let's go and we'd literally just off in the car compete and then come back it was mad actually looking back <laughs> yeah. do you think that helped us like competing that regular yeah massively I think um as well because I was like the youngest one out of the three so it was basically like me and there was like maybe three or four like older guys maybe like not like adults like we we're all still kind of young like kids like maybe we would have been I feel like four I would probably been like 14 and they would have been like maybe 18 19 um and also, so they were able to like look after me and kind of coach me wherever I wanted and stuff. And um, like the instructor was really good when we get back, he'd like sit us down and debrief. And like we, my dad would just film absolutely everything, um, which was really good as well. But yeah, I think like a major, major bit of success is just getting mat time. Like you just, there's obviously so, so many things you can learn in your club and your training partners and everything. But because you train with your training partners so often, you just know each other, right? You know that they're going to kick me in left stance. You know that I have to do this with that guy. But like, if you're just constantly finding new competitions and, and different circuits, it only only helps because you've got to think on the spot. You don't know what they're doing. They don't know what you're doing. Um, and yeah, I think a big thing is that time for sure. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's just... It's, it's one thing I think now is there isn't, I don't know, I, I, spe- I don't know what it's like for you and especially over, like in Scotland and England and in kickboxing, but here in Taekwondo, the competitions from when I would have been younger, like there was way more competitions, like we would have competed way more and I think it was a big benefit. Like now there isn't as many opportunities to compete, um, which I do think is a shame. Like it does affect, it does affect kids' progression. Yeah, definitely. I think it's the exact same. Like it's actually mad, like in Scotland, especially like, especially points I feel like points is like a dying sport in Scotland like it's crazy so there's only let me be like a couple of WK events I think there's like an IC or something like there's really like a small small amount in Scotland so like the majority of the competitions for Wolfpack we have to travel so if we're not in England we're in Austria or in Ireland or whatever like we actually only compete in Scotland maybe twice a year max which is crazy um whereas like when I was younger like yeah like I said I was every second weekend or I was like driving down to like the top of England and stuff and I think it's not like where organizations have tried to keep fighters to themselves and not let fighters cross over. I think it's kind of bitten a few fighters in the ass, which is which is a shame because like when I was younger, we didn't see organizations as as organizations. It was just like when's the next competition and where is it? And I think that's a huge part in today, which is which is a shame. Yeah. Yeah. Would you have been more 
Was there been more points or light contact when you were when you were younger? Or... So I was plainly points. I actually did points and I did kata. I, I literally think I competed in kata in a couple of worlds. Realized I didn't enjoy it that much. I wasn't really good at it. And then I was like, no, I'm going to just spar. Sparring's the fun bit. Um, but yeah, it was purely points. And literally, my first light contact fight was ridiculous looking back it was at the wks the world championships in ireland i think it was 2014 i think kilkenny kilkenny maybe been, yeah. and um there was literally no one in the i think it was like under 40 kilos spot for the girls there was just no one there no one like went and qualified so the head coach was like do you want to just jump in like while you're here and i was like yeah why not never trained like like contact in my life like never competed mental so I went on and I think I was against someone from Turkey and she just absolutely battered me up and down like it was the worst experience of like contact you could ever possibly have I think I was crying my eyes out from like 10 seconds in all the way to the end um but I see to be fair it was like a really bad like traumatic experience for like a 14 year old or however old I was but it was kind of like open your eyes to like a new respect as well because you just think oh they're just brawling or whatever but like dad's like well why don't you like I sat down with my instructor when I came back and he was like it's only going to help your points like cross training and light contact is only going to help your points it won't help like your fast switch and your timing and your distance and stuff but the ability to realize that like you can take a shot a little bit more or you're not so scared of like a kind of sidekick because you you know it's not going to half you or whatever it's just going to toughen you up a little bit so my instructor was like I think we should start cross training um and then I kind of when I came back from there that's when I kind of got into the light contact a little bit more but yeah absolute worst first experience of my life I don't wish that on anyone <laughs> uh, well, how did the points go at that tournament though <laughs> Not bad, to be fair. I didn't medal. I, honestly, I did not medal in anything seriously until I was maybe 16 years old. Honestly, I was bad for a long, long time. And like, see, to be fair, hats off to my dad because we'd literally go obviously traveling everywhere. And like, I wasn't consistently meddling. So he, you know, like we'd go all the way down to England. I'd lose like first, second round, and then we'd drive all the way back up. And then two weeks later, I'd drive like to the top of Scotland like it wouldn't put him off um, and I think that sometimes just that unwavering like it doesn't matter it's mat time and just like as a parent understanding that I think it's a very a very good thing as well <laughs> yeah did, did your dad did, did you find he started to enjoy the sport himself or just being a spectator and watching like he was enjoying going to the events as much as you were more than me yeah. I swear more than me but it, I think it's kind of like we'd have me and my dad are very very similar we're very stubborn we clash a lot um and don't get me wrong I owe a lot of my kickboxing career to him um but like there's just a line because he'd never done martial arts in his life and you know when you, you have a parent and they've watched so much and they think they can just they know it more than you so they can coach they there's like I don't know I don't know how to explain it but like I almost feel like he thought he knew because he traveled so much with me. But for me, I was just a daughter seeing him as a dad. So he was not going to sit there and tell me like what I can and can't do or like what I should have done sort of thing. So like it would be a different car journey if it was a successful competition or if it was like a, a failure competition sort of thing. It was quite a funny like drive up to Scotland, I tell you. <laughs> yeah. But no, fun and games. <laughs> yeah, I had my dad was always, I suppose, something similar um, was always there. Like, like, it, But I think kind of for me, it, it kind of helped at the start because especially like with more like the traditional stuff, like the, the patterns or the katas and stuff, my dad would sit down in the back of the class and he'd, he'd watch, like so he'd watch my instructor, what he was saying, but then we'd go home, we'd practice. We'd spend 30 minutes at home practicing, okay. trying to get it the exact same way. 
that way the coach yeah. had said in the class. So I think that kind of helped, but like that all the time it was a, if it was a good competition, there was a different conversation to, to when it wasn't a good competition. Yeah, oh, definitely. It's like, I see looking back though, I, I laugh because it's such like a similar, and this is going to sound really weird, but it's got a similar relationship to me, me and Kev. So like our, obviously like me competitor, Kev coach relationships obviously works very well. But see Kev being the competitor and me being the coach, that does not work. Like he is the worst student in the world, I tell you. See, I'm trying to coach him. He literally just doesn't listen. Like literally, think of the worst. Think of like teaching a class and you're like telling the student over and over again, like what they're doing wrong or, or you know, what they need to do. He just won't have it. Like it's actually mental how it works so well one way and so completely opposite the other way. <laughs> yeah. But do you think that's because, what do you think that is? Do you think it's maybe more so that like he sees himself as the, always the coach and then you're always the competitor and like you're, I don't both, know. you're, you're like, happy to fall into those roles but then it's reversed it's like maybe not so much I don't know I honestly think it's more just like I don't think he oh, you know what I don't even know I think it's like a character hands down the best coach that I have ever had like obviously you know you can say I'm saying it whatever but I've had a few coaches over the years and he does he is one of those things and he thinks out of the box and stuff but I don't know I think he's been in a coaching role so long maybe that he's forgotten how to be a student and I don't I'm not mean that in a negative way because he's like the first thing to be like uh, we've turned around and been like right Kev the body jab is a, a is a thing in wackle points like we need to accept this and as a club us we're not going to do anything and he's like right okay you're gonna sit down and you'll learn and you'll kind of process it and stuff so he's really good that way but I don't know what it is. Like he just literally, and it, I don't even know if it's like from me, honestly. I think it may be like the wife thing. I'm not sure. Maybe I'm just nagging him. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure he'll let you know when he hears it. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Sorry, Kev. <laughs> so then what was the first, what was the first Wackos you would have went to then? First Wackos, Worlds, or Europeans? So the first Wackos I did as a junior in 2008, I think it was in... Italy in Naples um so yeah I, was, I think it was my last year's junior um but it was my first year of like properly training down south so I moved after high school I kind of had a gap year and I moved down um to London and trained with like Kevin all of his clubs and stuff under like Curtis Page for the GBMMA um so I was kind of like only training properly full-time after then and I think I was basically down there a few months before I flew out um yeah that would have been right um, so yeah, I was under 65. I'm still the same weight sort of thing. And I was doing points in like contact and it was my first real wackos competition. Like I'd done maybe one Irish open before, but I'd lived on the WK circuit. Um, so this is my first kind of real taste and kind of eye opener, to be honest. Um, I did well, I did, I got two silver medals. So I got silver in points and silver in light. But at the end of that week, like my body was broken. Like I've never had so many bruises and like twinges and I just felt like I've been beat up like obviously like of course you've been competing and stuff but it's only one fight a day at Wackle Worlds and Europeans right so I'm doing like two one in points one in light and I just remember waking up like every morning and another body part hurt and realized that oh, you have to go through it again and again and again whereas like with the WKAs like you do your, your points your whole points category in one day and if you're doing light you might do that like a couple of days later so it's the kind of my, my first proper experience of like having to back to back to back compete and uh yeah like 
I think the like contact was like a split decision. I like lost it in the last two seconds. And I think on the points, I think I was maybe like three points down. But like what actually really annoyed me about that was it was the same Hungarian girl in the points and the like contact. Uh-huh. And that was same. Like I'd literally lost the like contact. And I think we had to fight like where the timetables clashed. I think we were fighting points like 45 minutes later and I remember being like right that's fine that's like contact points is my thing like let's do this it's my turn and then losing that one that was just a bit like it was quite a big I literally felt like after the second final losing and then my body being so beat up and this just this whole like new experience of Waco it was a bit of a kind of surreal moment where I'm like right well I thought I was the top I was the top of WKAs and now I know what what I need to do to kind of to step up again sort of thing so although it kind of had to happen it was still quite a brutal experience at the same time. (laughs) Have Have you got that win back? Did you beat her since? I've never, I've honestly never seen the girl since. Oh, Raging. That's even worse, isn't it? When you, that's even worse. Like, it is. So they win and disappear. So bad. I think she must have like finished as a junior. I don't actually think she transitioned to an adult. So, yeah, raging. <laughs> yeah. So, what was your kind of first experience of the Irish Open? So Irish Open. I think I'm trying to think. The first year I did it, my dad took me, so I was probably still young. I want to say 2007. Um, I wasn't in the light contact. I think then there was no light contact for the kids, I think. Um, so I was just doing the points. And I remember it was, again, it was one of my first wackle competitions. And I won the first two rounds. And I remember fighting this girl from Wales. And she had an axe kick that I just could not get round at all and every time it would go up in the air I would literally look at it and watch it as it would come down and just slap me across the face I think it happened maybe like twice and then you kind of know what whack was like you go down that that amount of points at high level competition you just not getting that back at all Um, and I think like my kind of category was like really really early on in, in the weekend as well so I had to like stay and watch and watch and watch which which is obviously good like I I wouldn't prefer to watch anything else like the Irish Open's amazing but at that stage I was just a bit like oh, what is going on like a real kind of I need to start my training up again and as a club as well I was the only one that went to that competition it was literally just me and my dad uh went on our own sort of thing so it was a bit of a like a shit like we need to sort something out and we need to a little bit more of a support network around us I think was kind of the first time I probably felt that kind of way yeah so how many times how many times have you won the Irish Open since then though it's a I've won the Irish Open eight times so four times before FE and four times after (laughs) (laughs) so the last two years uh we did only light contact because since FE was born I found it a lot easier to train light contact than I do points um, I just think you could do so much more towards like contact on your own. Whereas I think with points, you just have to get your drills in, you have to get your sparring in and stuff. Whereas I think with the light contact, you kind of get away with just more running, more bag work and stuff like that. Um, so with Effie, obviously growing up and it's been a little bit harder, childcare and obviously self-employed and stuff. So we decided to stick to just doing the light contact at the Irish Open for the first year after Effie was born but it was weird like when I was pregnant I was obviously really lucky and I was I was training the whole way through pregnancy um but obviously where I wasn't as intensely training and sparring I'd lost quite a lot of muscle mass so when I came back from Effie I was actually sitting a lot lighter than what I was before and usually I'd kind of sit around sort of 67 
um, and then I kind of drop down to 65 or I drop way down to 60 for full contact. But after FV, I obviously lost all the, the sort of baby weight and I was naturally sitting at 65 anyway, 64, 65. Um, so we were kind of like, well, why don't we try and get down to 60? Like new challenge. I haven't fought any of the fighters because I kind of find in the girls, whoever fights at 55 will go up to 60. But 60s don't really go up. So it's kind of like 55 and 60 fighters. And then you get like 65 and 70 fighters and they don't really cross over. It's kind of weird. Um, so I thought like, why don't we just go down and we'll try and find if we can, you know, fight some new new challenge sort of thing. And I don't think I'd literally hit 60 kilos since I was about 15 years old. Like so, so young. So like, yeah, why not? Let's do it. And um, I literally weighed in, I think it was like 60.2, like bang on basically. And um, it was good, but it was weird because like, I'd obviously never fought so light at that weight at light contact and obviously weighed in, rehydrated and stuff and see when it came to actually fighting people at 60, it felt like, this sounds so bad, but it honestly felt like I was fighting children. Like it was just such a different weight class and, and being used to fighting 65 and fighting up to 70 going like down to fight at 60, I honestly felt like I was just so much stronger and like taller at that weight as well. And um, so, yeah, first she was born in 2018. So 2019, I won 60 and 65 and then this year I won 65 and 70 <laughs> back up. <laughs> I made it once and I was like, I've done, that's fine. We don't need to do that again. <laughs> yeah. And you're, you're back competing in points and, and continuous now as well. Isn't that, is that right? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, So I did um the Bristol Open, I did points, one points there. And then the Athens Challenge this year as well. Um, I was in kick light as well. So I changed things up. <laughs> yeah. How did you find the kick light? I actually really enjoy it. It's actually really funny. I just, I don't know, it's one of these ones where like, the first time I decided to do it was like an Austrian classics a few years ago before Effie. And it was kind of one of those things like, well, we just do it because we're here. And because the way it works, the light contact and the kick light are on one day and then the points of the teams and everything are on another day. So we were there for the light contact anyway. And Kev was like, well, we'll just jump in because we always muck around at the club, like with a bit of low kick and stuff anyway, like just for laughs. So we're like, yeah, why not? Like how hard can it be sort of thing? And we literally jumped in. And uh, I think there was like, four girls in my section like really quiet section and I think it was like it was like Poland Italy Ukraine like just like eastern European countries and uh, I stepped on the mat and it was almost like fighting full contact again they were just like very square on very ploddy and I felt like where like my points training and stuff was really good and I was able to like go in go out and kind of hit and move and stuff but once they landed a kick you felt the kick so like one leg kick, I was literally like, right, okay, that's why I'm moving. That's why I'm running around you as fast as I can. Um, but no, it was really good. I ended up doing it in uh, the Austrian Classics. And then I decided to do it at the World Championships in Serbia in 2015 um, for the first time. But that was a bit... I got a bronze medal there. I, I lost in the semifinals to an Italian girl um, who actually went on to win it. And it was, oh, I was raging. It was literally on the buzzer. So you know when you at WACO... And it's going back and forth and we were drawing and the judge has to like decide, like one judge had to click like which way to go and they clicked the other girl and I was, oh, I've never been so close in my life. And I reckon if I, if I got past her, then the, the final would have been easier. Like that was the, almost like the final, that was the, that was the one to beat sort of thing. 
thought it was good fun. I even like I did points on my life and obviously did like contact. And the only reason we kind of got into full contact was because we were kind of getting a little bit bored and just wanted to change training up. And that was pretty much what kick light was about as well, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. But do you think you're going to stick with kick light? Do you think you're going to give it a bit more of a, a bit more time? Um, I see, to be honest, even when I decided, cause I obviously I did kick light in Athens this year. Um, and we just don't train it. We don't change our training at all. I, I honestly believe you don't need anything other than like your points in your like contact training. Like we never specifically go out and be like, right guys, we're going to condition our legs today because uh, that's not really how I fight. Like I refuse to take a kick on the leg. Um, and like, yeah, you, sh- you know, you need to be able to, you're obviously going to get caught at some point in the fight. Um, but we don't really train specific kick light drills and till now it's worked. Um, so I think, yeah, like, I don't think we'd change our training too much. Um, but yeah, literally just stick in points foundation and I, I'll still be kicking legs, but it'll be, it's like funny, like Kev will just try and get me to do like the craziest things in kick play. Like he'll try and get me to do like a, like still do like a double round kick, but like one to the leg and one to the head and like just mad stuff. Cause that's how Kev thinks. <laughs> um, so I feel like that's kind of where our success has kind of come from though. Cause we've had such a lighthearted attitude about it. Um, and kind of seen it as a bit of fun rather than like, right, we're going to take up a different discipline and change our training and stuff like that. So it's been quite, it's been fun. <laughs> yeah. It's also that, like you said, going back to what you said before, what we said before is it's more math time really, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. And especially in Athens, most of the girls were doing light contact and kick light. So it was the same girls in both, to be honest. So why not? <laughs> yeah. So like, how, how many, how many world titles then do you, do you have? How many Wacko world titles? Wacko World titles, I have two Wacko World, one in points, one in light, and then I've got the Wacko Pro in points as well. So I've got seven WKA Worlds and then three Wacko Worlds. And then have you, you haven't managed to win, have you won the two of them in the same year? Yes, I did that in 2015. I did the points and the light in the same year, and then I did the Pro in 2016, the year after. Yeah. That's a. I always think that's a, a savage achievement to win, to win two events because, like you said, you just get beat up across throughout the days. Um, yeah. Like so, to, to be able to uh, and like, I know like Elijah was on and he managed to win the three win three events across the across the week, which is again yeah. like, like that. It's just it's savage to be able to win the, the a couple of events, and keep that going and not to be beat up too much. I think it's just pure mentality, though see at that stage like just to be able to get up like halfway through the week and be like right who's next like what time am I on like just not even think about it sort of thing like just acknowledging that you're going to be hurt you're going to you're fighting for the week and if you're fighting for the week that's good because you've got through the week sort of thing you've got through the rounds and so I think yeah like it's it's pure mentality and I think the difference from doing the double in 2015 and then back at the juniors and doing it for the first time was just I didn't know what I was doing back then and I, I didn't understand I literally didn't know until I got to the competition that we only had one fight per day like I was just so out of the loop so when it comes to trying to do the double again in, in 2015 sort of thing I was ready I knew exactly who was in my category um, I had like a, a you know a fight camp I'd already been fighting these seniors for however many years before um, and I think I was just so mentally ready, whereas the other one was just a a hurdle, I guess I had to go over. <laughs> yeah, but um, well, like you mentioned already, like I I have an effie in the and trying to pregnancy, and like something you see a lot of um, I suppose women they 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 have to get pregnant, they have a baby, and they step away from the sport completely. But 
but you actually, from my understanding, came back pretty much as fast as you could nearly. <laughs> it wasn't even intended like that. Like I think um, everyone kind of asked, like when, like why did you have Effie when you did sort of thing? And I think we weren't like stringently trying or anything, but I think we were. Me and Kev were both kind of at a stage where I ticked off Wacko Worlds, I ticked off Wacko Pro World, and I would have been okay to stop. Like I, my kind of goals at that time, like were ticked, and I wouldn't have like regretted anything if I didn't go back. Um, but then saying that, I kind of obviously. Like I said, I was really lucky through my pregnancy. I trained all the way through. I was still hitting pads. I was going on uphill walks or whatever you can do when you're nine months pregnant sort of thing. I was doing what I could and I didn't have any sickness. Um, I literally think I worked out on the Wednesday and I gave birth on the Friday. Like that's how, how really, really lucky I was sort of thing. Um, and then the first two or three weeks were just utter madness. Like I don't think you can ever be ready for that part. And I think kind of what made it worse as well, like I gave birth literally two weeks before the British championships so all the guys were going down to the British like and of course Kev had to go down to the British so I was up in Scotland like with this ball of squidge that I thought I could break at any moment uh, I like was calling my sister like come through I don't know what to do sort of thing and um, so yeah the first two three weeks were absolute madness and then I think when, obviously Kev had to go back to work quite early because we're self-employed so you know we can't take our time with this stuff and I, I think it was just like lonely to start off with, like, because obviously she was so small, so she wasn't really giving me anything back. Like she wasn't talking, we weren't having conversations. Um, so I started like bringing her into the club and obviously everyone wanted to meet her anyway. Um, and then when she was so small, like she just used to sleep like 85% of the time. Um, so I got to the point where I'd go to the club and I'd just put her in the corner and she'd sleep in her little cot thing. And then I would just train on the mats. Um, obviously nothing mad, like, when it first kind of started but I think where I just needed my like training outlet it's all I've been doing I, I you know I started in, in primary and I've always trained in something and had like a training schedule and because I was so lucky and managed to like uphold some sort of training schedule all the way through pregnancy I'd never before that moment had a point in my life where I couldn't and this was the kind of the first time where I, I couldn't do what I wanted and um so yeah kind of getting back to like a bit of normality I kind of sat down with Kev and be like this is where I am I don't know what to, I don't know what I want to do I need a goal I've always had a goal be it a competition a, a fight camp or a person I need to be like I've always had something and he was like well why don't we get you a fight then like we won't like aim for the whack of worlds or anything why don't we get you like a full contact fight we can um do like a proper full contact weight cut sort of thing like you used to do um and then we'll go from there um, and I was like, I'm not doing, I'm not cutting to 60. Like, there's no way I'm cutting to 60 straight away. And he was like, well, why don't we just do it at your normal weight? We'll do it at 65. We'll put the feelers out and we'll see if there's anyone that kind of comes forward. And luckily enough, there was a German club that said, like, we've got a fighter for you. And um, she's like on the up. I think she was a little bit younger. She was like 22 or something. Um, and she's game. She's, I think she was like about to enroll in the police academy or something in Germany. And she wanted one last fight while she was training sort of thing. So we were like, yeah, like 100% do it. So Kev like booked the flights and we were like, right, well, <laughs> now I've got a choice. I need to sort my life out and, and drop this baby weight sort of thing. Um, so I think there was maybe one or two like mini little Scottish competitions, like literally like little like three mats in a hall sort of thing, like mini, mini, mini that we usually take the kids to and stuff. And I was like, right, well, I'll try and jump on that, get a little bit of mat time sort of thing. Um, didn't do much sparring to start off with because obviously it's my first pregnancy, like, I didn't know how my body would react. I knew I was still healing and stuff. So it was a lot of listening to my body. But 
yeah, like that's the structure that I needed. I needed that goal. And I dropped the weight. I dropped 20.7 kilos in, I want to say like 16 weeks, 17 weeks. So I got back, I got down to 65, but it was quite good. Like, cause normally where I'd like train, 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 and then cut a bit of water weight or whatever, I couldn't do that. Cause I was, I was breastfeeding Effie like the whole way through. So if I cut water, like I couldn't feed her. So I needed to properly like get down to the actual weight and like not hover above and then drop down sort of thing so it was good in a way because it kind of like helped me learn more about my body and like what I've always been really good at weight cuts and stuff in the past but I felt like it allowed me to learn a little bit more what I can and can't do with my body which was quite cool as well but yeah 20.7 kilos I won the fight it wasn't pretty it was not a pretty fight but I grinded it out and and got the win and yeah kind of put me back on track from there basically and that's what kind of gave me the bug um we didn't jump into everything I think as well like because Effie like she's a a wild child right she's so unpredictable like babies are so there'd be certain times where like she wouldn't be sleeping and then that means that I just couldn't train so it'd have to be so flexible um but then even with competitions like we've literally taken her to every single competition that we've gone to sort of thing and I've been so lucky with my team because they've been so good like I kind of like be a mum for the first part of the day and then I'll figure out where my category is on and then I'll offload her to some parent and they'll look after her while I can warm up and then I'll compete and then I'll go back to being a mum or coach and stuff and it's been a it's been a a learning curve but it's been it's been good it's been nice to share the experience as well when she's been there so yeah yeah. mad but good <laughs> you start to find it's, it's easier to balance all the the, the being a mum and maybe working or whatever and, and being a fighter you find that it's maybe as she gets older, it becomes a little bit easier. I think so. I don't know. I, I was trying to say this to Kev the other day as well. Like, you, you think you're kind of getting into a routine, but where she was younger at competition, she'd sleep a lot more in the pram, so she'd be a lot less hassle, whereas now she's, like, wild. Like, running yeah, around yeah. absolutely <laughs> mental. Um, I think, actually, in the Athens Challenge, it was kind of like the competition was like in the middle of like a velodrome thing so we're like down and um she literally spent the whole weekend like running up and just sliding down and the amount of times where the security would go on the tannoy and be like can the baby please stop sliding down the slopes and I'm literally like that is my child like she's getting told off by security (laughs) at two (laughs) this is what's happening right now but I think so I think like where she's bonded so well with the team like it's it's just a bunch of brothers and sisters right so the amount of times where like I've met someone at competition they're like oh where's Effie and I'm like literally don't know like one of the teams got her I know they do I don't know where she is but she's around here somewhere so just having that like network of people where she'll go to many people has been very very helpful when trying to compete and train for sure. (laughs) Do you think it'll be easier when you can get her get her into the into the club and do a bit of training herself? she's wild (laughs) honestly even since lockdown to be fair like because we obviously took some mats home so we can do like the zooms and stuff and like kettlebells and everything and the amount of times i'll be sitting on the couch and she'll be like mom mom mats mats and she literally wants me to like put the mats out and she'll go through and get my gloves on and she'll just start bouncing and just like blitzing and you're like wow like i'm not even having to say anything like you're doing that all by yourself but i think that's just where like taking her everywhere right it's the complete Mm -hmm. norm so I don't know. We'll see. I'll never force her to compete, but she'll definitely train for sure. Yeah, I suppose you just get used to seeing it. You want to, you want to start and, and give it a go. Yeah, I think as well. Like where loads of kids, like when they start competing and stuff, and being on the mats and competitions can be like quite nerve wracking. Like that's her norm. So, like if she does want to compete, like it's it's going to be scary. <laughs> yeah. yeah, 
that uh, it's 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 great that you that's uh, that you've managed to find that kind of balance because like I said like so the fact that so many people just go away from the sport completely but then like that like that I think it's great the fact that you you, you came back like and uh, I suppose not necessarily I maybe you didn't have to come back as as fast as you did like I'm not saying like, <laughs> not saying, like everybody has to do that like you know that's obviously a, yeah. a, a great story to <laughs> have but I think it'd be great to see because often sometimes you see guys are with girls and have the guys step away because they're now dads and stuff it's like well it's great that you showed that like you can you can find a balance there and you can still compete and be successful in a sport even after having a after having a kid yeah definitely I think as well like obviously I was never going to completely walk away because I own Wolfpack like with Kevin so I was always going to be involved in some in some kind of way but I think yeah that's really important like Kevin had just as much as like a whirlwind as I did sort of thing and especially like even before Effie when I was going through fight camps and stuff and you know like because we have such a relationship between coach and, and competitor and husband and wife and stuff and even that can be quite intense sometimes so chuck a baby and like both of us having lack of sleep like it, it can be mad so yeah hats off to Kev as well to be fair to him <laughs> <laughs> okay you, you kind of mentioned already that like uh that like coming back so fast and having to drop some of the, ba- the baby weight that you had to really you know get your nutrition on point Do you have anybody who looks after your nutrition for your are your weight cuts or is that something like you've kind of studied and researched and figured out yourself yeah, not really. Like we've never, me and Kevin kind of fuggled it out together. Like he's really, he's not, um, he's actually learning and doing the Patrician Nutrition course at the minute, um, which he's only just enrolled in. So it's kind of something that he's always um, like had a knack for and he's always researching stuff. And I think where I've had so many different weight cuts and stuff over the years, like it literally is almost the equivalent of like map time just weight cutting over and over again sort of thing um and you obviously do learn like pros and cons and like what weight cuts were easier and what I did differently sort of thing so kind of just learning from weight cut to weight cut but no like we've never really reached out and asked for um like advice or anything I think it's just almost like sitting down and being accountable so like realizing right like this is just as important as um like the competing like if you mess your weight cut up I remember a few years ago one of my full contact fights um I completely messed the weight cut up like I was stupid I, I weighed in and literally I took a bottle of like not the fizzy lucasade just the still lucasade and a bottle of water to rehydrate afterwards and um I was actually right I need a bit of sugar I felt a bit crappy so I like I was just sipping on the lucasade but I was speaking to someone and before I knew it I downed the whole bottle of lucasade and that was it like I felt horrible that night like my tummy was in bits I woke up this morning feeling so ill and then I just remember the night of the fight I it was a five round fight because it was the British title and I come back after the first round and I was like carefully like, I feel so unfit like I've literally got nothing in the tank and I knew that couldn't be true because I'd hit 60 kilos so I'd had to do all my runs I had to do all my pad work I knew I was fit but because of that stupid down in the, the lucasade after the weigh and like it completely messed everything up so I think it's just like sitting down and realizing that you have to educate yourself in this stuff because some of it is purely as important as the fighting especially yeah. because it comes first <laughs> yeah and you kind of you only know after the fact really isn't it it's kind of hindsight yeah. is um because some, because somebody else could drink that lucasade and, and, and be fine and it could yeah be, have no effect but then somebody else yeah. like like yourself like I know even myself I, I, I don't even drink them straight like I'll water it down with some I'll put some mix yeah. it with some water to drink it because otherwise it's just it's too heavy I'll be in I'll collect that I'll, I'll, I'll feel in bits um but like that so and you only figured it out after trial and error really <laughs> yeah oh it was brutal that whole fight as well it came in and uh 
it was also in that fight as well the ref scored a knockdown in this in the first round like I'd literally I did like a, a psychic as they were coming in but I'd slipped like the canvas in the ring was just slippy because we were the last fight sort of thing and I, I'd slipped my back leg fell and I fell down and the ref gave me a count for it he thought I'd been sparked and I remember looking at Kev being like I'm fine I'm fine and like so like that on top of the the bad weight cut I managed to somehow come away with a a draw and because I was the defending champion I got to keep the title but I just remember being angry at myself for drinking the lucid and then being angry at the ref because if he didn't score the knockdown I would have actually won the fight but because that round was drawed I, I didn't win it sort of thing but yeah it was a bad a bad night and that same night as well I think we had a coach of like 60 people from Wolfpack that drove through and it was just it was the worst fight I've ever had in a ring brutal yeah. <laughs> so then like in terms of the weight cut then would you tend to like water load or would you just maybe like sweat it out or would you like uh, have carbohydrate manipulation kind of stuff like would you or would you employ you know kind of all of those kind of strategies yeah so usually um I kind of like two weeks before weigh and I start water loading um so like the first couple of days I'll maybe make sure I'm drinking sort of like three or four liters and then I'll kind of up it to kind of six the week before and then kind of as the week the last week goes on I'll just casually drop my water all the way down until it's sort of like 500 mils or I'm like sipping the day of weigh-in sort of thing um and then I'll weigh in and then we literally have these like little electrolytes that we basically put in our water and that's the kind of first thing that we'll kind of sip slowly <laughs> before any lucozade is ever in the picture um and then we'll kind of eat kind of gradually and yeah it's definitely been the other side of weigh-in that we've had to educate rather than the this actual making weight that we've had to to research on for sure <laughs> yeah I found something similar is like that is um has as like when the you see you could get away when the wake up was small like the recovery after didn't make much of an impact but then the more you cut yeah the more that after yeah. it's important and um, yeah like that it's uh, and I find when you're drinking I don't know if you're the same it could be the same but that uh, you're drinking when you're drinking like I, I tend to water load and drink up on eight liters of water and like by mm-hmm. after two or three days like about the third day of that you're kind of going oh this is heavy going. Yeah, but, but I've kind of but I've kind of found that I actually prefer that much better to when you're there at the last bit and you're going, oh my god, I'd love a little drink of water right now. It's like don't complain when you're drinking loads of it. You know what it is though, like literally, even the first day. So even I think we usually do six and we cut it. The first cut is down to three, and that first day, like when you know you can't have six, you want six. Yeah. Whereas the day before, you're like, oh, I'm on five. Like, do I really have to do six? But as soon as you're on three, you're like, I want six. <laughs> like yeah. purely because you're not allowed it. <laughs> yeah, but well, even like as well, and after the recovery, we have one of our coaches. He brings like um, he brings salt. So like you literally make up like seawater to recover like no so like it's like seawater oh, even some of the electrolytes are pretty much just the flavor and but like yeah. the last time <laughs> because I, I it was a big cut me and one of the guys we had it we did a big cut it probably wasn't the best um actually i kind of did it fairly it was just a big cut like it wasn't that i but you know i did it the right way but it was just a big cut like i shouldn't have cut probably yeah. cut it as much but like you'd be sitting there kind of going like you're in bed the night before and you're looking forward to this salty water like you're kind of dreaming of this salty water but like once you've recovered you're kind of like i can't believe i actually like that it's it's just it's yeah. rotten but it's the simple thing no it's all about the the raspberry or the black current electrolytes for sure i can't imagine doing just pure salt water that's yeah. hardcore <laughs> yeah thankfully like that we do use the electrolytes to flavor it but most of it's it's uh it's still it's it's dirty like it's it's not it's not nice it's not nice once you've recovered it's not nice yeah i bet i bet that's funny <laughs> right. 
Uh, so they like in terms of like strength and condition and then do you look after that kind of stuff yourself or do you have anybody there no like literally kev honestly he's really good um he does all my fight camp programs from like making sure i'm hitting the miles um strength wise like kind of fitness wise fight fitness wise drills like he'll literally cover every single aspect and um, he's really good like that um i always i've always done my running like no matter what um, I always make sure I get my miles in. Then um, on the conditioning side, I've always kind of done like a lot of body weight stuff. Um, so it's been quite fun. Like during lockdown, I've kind of decided that I wanted a, a strength goal instead of anything else. And um, so we've been working a lot more sort of like barbell stuff, like a lot of CrossFit workouts and stuff, which I've actually been kind of like enjoying quite a lot. Um, but yeah, like purely for the kickboxing kind of sides, you know, we'll, we'll chuck the odd like kettlebell workout and stuff in there. Um, but no, like pure everything is in-house, um, definitely in-house for sure. Um, especially because we have like uh, team squad trainings every Saturday for the team. If, if they're competing, like no matter what, literally every single Saturday we'll get together, especially because some of the team are quite spread out. So we've got people from Edinburgh. We've got uh, we've, some of the team are from Newcastle. We've got people from Inverness, like three hours north of Scotland sort of thing. Um, but we all come together every single Saturday. Um, so yeah. It can be a mix of like we're we're doing points today. Today's we're doing like contact. Now we're doing purely fitness. Um, so we're always making sure we're ticking all the boxes. Um, but no, purely everything everything comes from Kev. <laughs> you love that. <laughs> yeah, you get to just switch off and just turn up. <laughs> yeah, like Saturday is my kind of session. So the only thing we've been struggling with Saturdays is that obviously Effie's there <laughs> and no one can look after her because they're all they're all training sort of thing and and now she kind of wants to be on the mat like she doesn't want to be at the sideline like asleep in her pram sort of thing so the Saturdays I've been struggling with like participating every single time and I think that's kind of been the reason why we might have been picking and choosing um like like contact over points and stuff because points is like everyone like um, my main majority of training partners and stuff for points would be on the Saturday so if I haven't been getting them all in then that's where we've been picking and choosing bits and pieces and whereas like stuff during the week during the night like if you'll be at the babysitter or like someone will be looking after so I can get all my training in but yeah Saturdays have I've definitely been struggling recently for sure but it's been quite nice to shout at people at the same time (laughs) yeah See, that's it. That's one thing. As soon as you can throw a pair of gloves on her and she can step on the mats then and, and throw that blitz at somebody, it'll make it almost so much easier. She's got some kick on her as well, I tell <laughs> you. She's got some kick. <laughs> uh, so when Kev was on the podcast, he kind of he had mentioned that you were kind of planning at, at one point in time to, to maybe go to MMA. Um, what was kind of the, the thought around that? Yeah, so it was just after I'd won the double at the Wackos in 2015 and it was just kind of that stage where you know, I've been been competing since I was seven, like I was way over 20 years and I kind of just want something new. And we'd already done all of the disciplines in kickboxing. So it was kind of like, what what next? Um, And then Kev's um, friend, Michael Page, is obviously really huge in in MMA and Bellator and stuff at the moment. And he was like, well, why don't you come down and train in London uh, at London Shoot Sighters for three weeks and see if you enjoy it, see what you can do. My coach can have a look at you, et cetera. So I was like, yeah, like, why not? And went down three weeks, hardcore training. I absolutely loved it. Like, really, really enjoyed it. I like to be, I'm never afraid to be a student again. Um, like if someone can teach me something, it doesn't matter if you're, you know, at London Shoot Fighters in London or you're seven, like I'll, I'll listen, like I'll learn anything. Um, so yeah, really enjoyed being a student, getting the white belt back on and then came up north, uh, found a club called Higher Level under James Doolan. 
really really good club again loved it really good strong strong bunch of guys and um, probably the best MMA club in Scotland for sure um, but I was really struggling logistically to figure out training and still teaching at Wolfpack and um, so whereas the club in London they had a lot of like during the day classes for like their pro athletes and and, and things whereas up here we didn't really have it it was kind of all at night and obviously we were still self-employed and we were trying to open up a second school and stuff at the time and it just really it wasn't working out business-wise um which was kind of where I was struggling to kind of fit everything in and um, so then eventually we kind of went well I was still training kickboxing like throughout this whole process at the time like I was still getting the training rounds in for like all the the teammates and stuff so I think um at the time we were like it was two weeks before Irish Open and we were like well we'll just do it like well we just jump in and compete Kev being Kev and I was like you know what like sure why not I was nowhere near weight I wasn't like in a fight camp I wasn't like hitting 65 I think I did under 17 70 and uh I think that plus 70 kilos points was first um, of the day, which was like, oh, even better, get it done. And uh, I ended up winning it, actually. I beat Anaconda from uh, Hungary in the, in the final um, and kind of realized I, I still I still love kickboxing. Like, I'm not that bored of it. I maybe just needed a break. Um, so then we kind of hopped back on. And it was important that I got the break. I, th- I do feel like I needed that break at the time. And I would have loved to train MMA if I could, like if I could make it work. Um, it's not to say I can't make it work in the future. I think especially looking at um, like the ages of people, I think uh, kickboxing is a lot younger girls sport. I think especially on the girls side, there's a lot of juniors and stuff coming up. Whereas I think MMA, the girls who are at that level are a lot older, even than what I am right now. So I'd never write it off and I definitely enjoyed the training, but it just wasn't, it didn't work out timing wise at that point. Yeah, so was, I thought it was a it was a good kind of good point that that Kev made when he was on that I think it's good to not treat the likes of kickboxing, even taekwondo, like any of the Tatami ah. sports, and like not to treat them. Right, there we are. But uh, yeah, just before we kind of got cut off, was uh, um, I was saying that yeah, Kev kind of made, I thought felt made a really good point in terms of like when he was on that you know that I don't think kickboxing or taekwondo. Any of the tatami sports should be treated as a, a stepping stone for sports. Like I think you know that you can have it. I really, I hadn't really fully thought of it, but I think it's really right. you can have a career. Like there's nothing wrong with having a career. Like just staying in your sport, having a successful career, and even if it's not successful, just having a long career. Like you don't have to, you don't necessarily have to switch to to, to MMA. Or no, like I 100 percent agree with that, and I think um, a lot of people kind of see points as like the first thing, and just because like like that's how I've did it I think that I wouldn't have the success that I did if I didn't do it that way around um and I think a lot of people like starting MMA like like as their starting point um wouldn't have the same success as if they started on tatami and got their mat time and got their competition experience and stuff and then went on to it I think it's definitely better and I think a lot of the top MMA fighters have done it that way around as well whether they've wrestled it in high school or, or whatnot sort of thing so yeah I, I completely agree with that it's definitely not a stepping stone um I also think as well like although light contact is hard in its own right I do think in my experience that points is is harder and I think um if you were to go points and then move into light contact you'll get a lot of success I don't know if you could do it the other way around I think if you started in light contact and went to points I think uh, people find it a lot harder I think 
points is where you kind of where I got my, my distance and my timing. And I think if you learn those core things early on, then you can do anything, including MMA. But like you say, it's, it's definitely not an, a stepping stone to that for sure. Yeah, I think maybe points, the fact that it's maybe much more of a mix between your hands and your legs. I think that maybe it can cross over. Like sometimes light contact can be very, if it's just what you're doing, it can be a bit more hands orientated as opposed to the legs. But I think like, like the points really forces you to use both, which crosses over very well, as opposed to maybe just crossing back to you, going back the yeah, other way. Yeah, definitely. And I think as well, like even on a reaction set, like I'm, I'm not a reaction fighter by any means. Like Kev makes fun of me all the time because his reactions are actually ridiculously fast for a big guy. Um, but I think like points kind of forces you to kind of like react a lot, lot quicker. Whereas in like contact, like, yeah, you might go down like a, a one or two points, but it, I find it quite easier to get back. Whereas if you go down one or two points in, in points at WACO, especially like that's it, like the fight's over. Like you can't chase that at, at a higher level sort of thing. So it's definitely a lot more tactical and it, it makes you engage your brain a lot more for sure, which is only going to grow you as a fighter, right? So win-win. Yeah. And points can sometimes be very momentum-based, like isn't it? Like once if somebody gets in a roll, it can be very hard to stop that. Yeah. Like I think you see that quite a bit. Is well, that's where we're complaining, right? Weren't they? Because um, like you say, like you get two or three points, and then like the op- the fighter who would be losing would like pull something like to the ref or pretend they're injured or throw a, a, a glove off or whatever, trying to disrupt that kind of momentum. And that's where kind of people were in uproar about it and asking for like rule changes and stuff like that. So yeah, it's just, it's a thinking fighters game, right? Like a think, thinking fighter will always win over a fitness fighter. Fact. Yeah. And do you think, would you, would you like to see, would you like to see a uh, kickboxing in the Olympics? Would that be something you'd like to maybe have a go at? Yeah, like I like it's kind of I've been very mixed in this in the past, and yeah, of course it would be great to be in the Olympics, but I don't really see the Olympics as I don't see this as a stepping stone to the Olympics either. Um, and I think even if it wasn't in the Olympics, like that's okay too. Um, I think if it was, then sure. I think we're a lot further away than people think we are. And I think points especially is even further away than people think we are sort of thing. Um, so it's definitely not going to be in, in my sort of kickboxing career. And I feel like it would be lucky if it's an Effie's if I'm being honest, but it would be a really good thing for the sport, but I just can't imagine all the organizers of, or the associations getting together for that common goal. Cause it's just, it's so money ridden. Right. And you, you can't, you can't argue with that. <laughs> Yeah, like obviously Taekwondo is in the Olympics, um, but not the style of Taekwondo that I would, uh, I would be involved in. Um, yeah, like I like, like that. I'd love to go to the. I'd love to be at the Olympics and like experience that. Like the, I think it'd be kind of. I think it's cool to say you were an Olympian, but mm-hmm. it's kind of something I, I just accepted that in my sport it's probably not going to happen unless I maybe transition over. But I suppose it's kind of the same for yourself, really. Do you get many um like people transitioning over from like the two different styles of taekwondo for that reason? Do you think we don't have in Ireland we don't have many people crossing over at all? It's kind of there's maybe I think there's about five WT clubs. Okay. Like compared to the amount of IPF clubs, so like not many people cross over. Um, it's it's like I think it's a bit better. I think the better the crossovers a bit better in um. In England or Scotland, GB, I suppose, like they, they, I think they open up their kind of selection 
process a bit much more and much better than than we do here. Yeah. Um, I think like if you're, you kind of have to have came from a WT club to be to get on the Irish uh-huh. WT team. Or, yeah, I know. Like know, they, I, I think it's sorry. They've got a, it's like a fighting chance sort of thing, um, and it's basically yeah. like days where like martial artists from any sort of background can go and trial it sort of thing, and it's like specifically open for people outside of this the association sort of thing like this style so it's quite good that way i guess because there has been quite a few kickboxers actually that that have left kickboxing purely to to get onto the taekwondo team and and they have done it successfully so um it's obviously good good foundation what they're doing here which is quite nice yeah the tony stevenson has been on right. and he would have done it and shannon ryan as well has been on she would have been with them for a bit so that works so i've had people on like that from kickboxing they've tried it they did try something similar i think with with, with our, here in ireland and some of the guys went to it but i think kind of the response to to letting other people from they were happy enough to but they were more so happy to keep their yeah. people than the other people yeah in, yeah i think you find it quite clicky so it can be i suppose isn't it it's like everybody has their own patch and their own thing yeah uh, I suppose everybody sometimes think their their martial arts is is the best and the only way. <laughs> I think that's purely why the reason why we won't get into the Olympics. So like purely because of that, and it's it's not like they think their martial arts is the best. They think their organization is the best. So they're not willing to combine or whatever they have to do to tick the boxes. And I think sadly that's what it will come down to, unfortunately. Yeah, do you find in kickboxing maybe some people even get very clingy to their kind of uh i suppose event like some people are very clingy to points maybe some people are very clingy to light contact and then like like just if you're to put kickboxing in the olympics like which which event do you put in and then you have all that kind of thing over yeah oh god yeah. Certain people, theirs is the one that should be in yeah you definitely get especially obviously it's kind of harder to relate for me because i i do i do them all sort of thing and i enjoy them all um my favorite is always points like I enjoy, I, I probably have more success in, in light contact and full contact and in all honesty, I do find them easier. Um, but I always, I love points the best. Um, but yeah, like you said, like how, how do they decide that? Like, and there's a lot of, um, like martial arts already in there that are quite similar to like point, like a taekwondo point system, like it's scored, right. And it's, it's quite similar to points sort of thing or people like outside of martial arts would think it's quite similar. So yeah, I, I, I wouldn't be the one, want to be the one that makes that decision for sure. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think it would be cool, I suppose, for kickboxing if it got in. I'd love to see it. Yeah, it would be great if it got in. Um, but like that, it's not going to, I don't think it's going to happen anytime soon, unfortunately. Unfortunately. We'll see. Never. Um, uh, I think I've seen, uh, you've started a, a YouTube channel, is that? <laughs> Is that correct? Yeah, this is a, a project of uh, lockdown boredom. I'm not gonna lie, <laughs> but um, no, like I always get messages like asking, you know, what sort of training I do, or just like pieces of advice and stuff. And um, I kind of like sat down and like Jess, like she's my kind of my, my main training partner um, at Wolfpack sort of thing, and and she kind of stays with us while she's home from uni. She goes to uni in Aberdeen, which is like three hours north of Scotland sort of thing. Um, but obviously in lockdown, like she's been home the entire time, which has been quite good. Um, having like a running partner, and we've kind of been tag teaming, so like we can rotate who's looking after the baby and the other two can train and stuff so it's been quite handy uh that way and we were like well we just like do a mini series explaining like or just showing that what we're currently doing like in lockdown like our day-to-day kind of plan and we were like we don't want to make it too serious like we won't have it like just training 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 like 
if Effie's gone off on one, I'm filming that. Like, and just all the craziness in between as well. So we're kind of in, the, we've filmed everything and we're in the kind of in the middle of editing. So we've, we've done Monday and we're about to post Tuesday in the next day or two. And we've literally done all the way through to Sunday where we, we kind of, we died. But it was our first kind of time almost like filming our day-to-day life and we didn't realize actually how much stuff we do or don't do like there's certain days where like we're like well we're not doing anything today like what are we going to film and then there's other days being like where we kind of split up and we're in two different locations like how do we do it sort of thing but it's been a good little project and it's one of those things that have just keep the, kept us from going a bit stir crazy um and then yeah kind of answering everyone's questions at the same time so so far it's gone down quite well and we've had positive feedback but yeah, it's definitely been a product of a lockdown for sure. <laughs> well, it seems like it could be a, an interesting, uh, an interesting watch. And um, I thought I've probably not much stuff out, like much less stuff out there for kickboxers, is there? Not that I'm aware, really. Like, and especially as well, I think a lot of like people have asked like how of like how I'm dealing with it with Effie and stuff as well, because I think it's almost like a preconceived kind of notion that like mums just think they can't do it because you know like the kids are so full-on or and it's just kind of maybe breaking down those barriers and being like yes like I do have a wild child but this is how we do it and this is how we kind of split it up and stuff as well so um I think it's definitely well something will continue like it's called the wolf and wonder it's definitely something it will continue after lockdown I've even um spoke about like maybe just filming like behind the scenes like what Wolfpack do when we travel away in competitions and stuff so like like what the team get up to and bonding and like little warm-ups and stuff like that so just all the behind the scenes stuff that isn't really like a hundred percent official kind of just the relaxed stuff that you don't really see it's kind of um I think a lot of people kind of see me at competitions and think I'm like a hundred percent like in it focused and which obviously I am when it comes to competition but I think people don't really see the fun like mum side of me as well so it's it's been quite nice to kind of get that out there as well <laughs> Yeah, the competition. I suppose if it's wacko, you're competing every day, but there's sometimes in where it's competition might be one day. And, you know, so that's maybe a very small part of like if you're going away for a couple of days or yeah. with, the, with the team, it's competition's a very small part. Like there's a lot more other stuff that goes on that you're well, up to. And, like even just like the laughter where like, you know, like seven of the team are dying, weight cutting and we're going through an airport. And nobody knows where we are. Like just like the silly little stories that you get along the way, I think it's quite, quite nice to document as well, for sure. I think it'll be something interesting. And um, we'll throw the, the link in. I'll put the link Yay, in the description for the podcast. Amazing. <laughs> and then, but yeah, I suppose one more before we finish up is uh, if you had to pick uh, a favorite fighter, who would you pick? It doesn't necessarily have to be kickboxer, and it could be any sport, but if you had to pick a favorite fighter, who would you pick? Wow. Um, oh, that's such a huge question. Uh, I really, really like watching uh, John Jones MMA. I think he's just, obviously he's been a bit up and down recently, but I think um, like a few years ago, I, I used to love watching him. I felt he was like a big breath of fresh air and he was just absolutely untouchable. Um, so yeah, he's definitely been one of my one of my fighters I like watching for sure. But yeah, there's so many styles and, and disciplines and stuff. That's an absolutely mad question. But yeah, I think that's my first one. John Jones is a good, great fighter. And Amanda Nunez as well, if we're going to go female, for sure. She's a beast. <laughs> yeah, two two definitely ones. Well, Amanda Nunez is definitely the greatest MMA women's fighter of all time. She's probably up there amongst men and oh, women. And John Jones could be the best. You know? 
So, yeah, John Jones, yeah, he's the way he breaks guys down um, is, is, is insane. I think it was like, that the first fight I, when he um, beat Rashad Evans. Like that fight was just just little details, like when he was popping the jab and then just bringing the elbow through, just like small, small details makes such a difference. But yeah, he's a he's an athlete for sure. <laughs> yeah, so uh, it's a good pick. I don't think anybody has said John Jones yet, so that's uh, it's always great when it's an original. One. Uh, oh I God, I can't remember. I've heard so many fighters. I'll have to check back. <laughs> There's a uh, I've heard so many. I've heard so many that I can't remember. <laughs> what? Who's yours? My favorite fighter of all time, um, MMA would be George St. Pierre. Yes, another traditional background um, as well. Yeah, if I was to pick boxing, it's uh, Julio Cesar Julio Cesar Chavez is my is my favorite. Nice, too strong. So, yeah, so. That's the first time somebody's asked me my favorites <laughs> as well. So there you go. Nice. That's all. Right. All right. Good choices. <laughs> but, uh, I suppose we leave it there. It's uh, thanks, Mina, for coming on. I've uh, enjoyed the chat. Oh no worries. It's been uh, great. Literally, it's a chat, isn't it? Yeah. It's great to hear the uh, you hear the second half of the the Wolfpack <laughs> duo. <laughs> it's actually wild. We did like a joint one the other day with like Waku Singapore, and um, they were just kind of like asking like how we make it work with like coach fighter husband wife and how it kind of like the dynamics kind of work um and it's just really funny like I just enjoy these kind of like interview podcasts like it literally is a conversation isn't it like it it doesn't even feel like an interview like you're just having a chat which is quite nice so I've enjoyed it it's been good yeah so that, thanks for coming on and hopefully we'll get back to the proper training and not just outdoors with groups yes, I take that right now I'm not gonna lie <laughs> but yeah definitely for sure yeah so uh, stay safe and all the best you too thank you bye